Lord, you are holy. And we worship you. We worship you in spirit and in truth. Lord, thank you that you give us your word. You give us your spirit. That you meet us in this place. Lord, continue your work among us, your work in our hearts this morning. We welcome you. We welcome you. Lord, I pray that as the scripture is read, that you would um, do what you say you will do. Lord, that the sword of the Spirit is sharp and that it won't return void. And you give us your word to show us who you are and how good you are. Lord, remind us today. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So you can turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5. And we're going to continue in the um, series on restoration. And we've been looking at the Beatitudes. You want to, do you need this? No. Okay. All right. Um, Dean's going to read the scripture for us. And then we'll be focusing on verse 8 today. So a reading in Matthew 5, starting at verse 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. God's word. Thanks be to God. In um, the American Dictionary, there's a really small but important little symbol, and it helps us with our language. It's a little accent, and it tells you where to put the emphasis, right? So, um, America, not America, or not America, it's Pastor Jalisa. It's not pastor, ja, Lisa. <laughs> Emphasis added. Well, um, sometimes when you're reading these Greek sentences in the New Testament that are translated into English, it's sometimes hard to know where the emphasis is being placed by the writer. And in my sermon prep this week, I just kept feeling unsettled. And yesterday morning, I woke up and I felt like the Lord was saying, you're putting the emphasis on the wrong syllable. And so I was like, okay, Lord, what does that mean? <laughs> and um, he, he impressed on my heart um, that there's a difference as we read this verse 8. I could read it, 
blessed are the pure in heart, for they will receive, they will um, see God. Or I could say it like this, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will receive, they will see God. Can you hear the difference even in my stumbling? Thank you. All right. Um, If I preached with the emphasis on blessed are the pure in heart, I could have a tendency to come up with a nice little moralism, Um, maybe five easy steps to develop a pure heart, right? And um, while that kind of message, and certainly um, there are important things about nurturing a pure heart, but it really could be a tendency to kind of fall into that Like, how can I fix my own problem? All right? Um, What technical solution can I find to fix an inner problem in my heart? And I think um, I almost led us towards that kind of message until the Lord kind of woke me up yesterday morning and said, let's rethink this, Gina. So um, I am going to talk to you today about this wonderful promise that he's given us. Blessed, and you remember that blessed means, oh, the deep, deep joy for the pure in heart, for they will receive, they will see God. I don't know why I keep switching those words. Just, if, if I say it, just go with it, all right? And you know what I'm trying to say. Um, <clears throat> all right, so because... I was at the beginning of the week, it was like they will see God was just kind of like passing, like it just wasn't registering until all of a sudden it's like they will see God. Like, and I imagine what Jesus, the people that were sitting there on that mountain that day, how they were feeling and hearing this word because the original audience that Matthew was writing to were Jewish. And so They um, knew that the high priest, once a year, got to go in after very special, proper cleansing, ritual cleansing, got to go into the presence of God, and they tied a rope around his ankle just in case he didn't do the ritual cleansing quite right, and he dropped over dead. And so only a few people in the whole generation would have the opportunity to go into the Holy of Holies where the presence of God was well most of the people there were not the high priest and so you know who's he really talking to but then they also would know that um, God had talked to Moses like a friend face to face Exodus 33:11. but they weren't like the honorable prophet Moses for those of us today um Deep in the heart of most of us is a realization that we've done wrong. We've not lived perfectly. And so, you know, it makes you wonder, how could I have the audience of a holy God? You know, if you think about the president of the United States and having an audience with the president, that would be a really big deal. This is a way bigger deal. God Almighty, holy, holy, holy. And we will see God. And then there's doubts. Don't we sometimes struggle with doubts? Well, can this be true? And can it be true for me? The Old Testament 
gave hints of people that did believe that someday again there would be an encounter where they would see God again. They had been separated because of sin in the garden, right? They saw God when they were made, when humanity was made, and then they lost that relationship and that ability to see one another with the garden being closed and them being kicked out. But Psalm 27, verses 4, 5, and 8, One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. For in the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his sacred tent and set me high upon a rock. Somebody needed to hear that. For in the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his sacred tent and set me high upon a rock. My heart says of you, seek his face. Your face, Lord, I will seek. The psalmist is adamant. I will choose. I will by intention seek your face. And then Job in chapter 19 verses 25 and 27 says this, I know that my Redeemer lives and that in the end he will stand on the earth And after my skin has been destroyed, yet in my flesh, I will see God. I myself will see him with my own eyes. I and not another, how my heart yearns within me. Job had such strong faith that he was going to be restored and that he was going to physically see God. And he just made it so clear, I myself, me, me, and with my own eyes, I'm going to see him. And Jesus, God incarnate, speaks of a blessing that will result in restoration. They will see God. The Greek word there that's um, translated to see has these meanings, to see with your eyes, your physical eyes. It also means to see with your mind, so to perceive or know. It means to become acquainted with by experience. You ever heard somebody say, oh, I see how this goes, because they kind of watched the little relay race, and now they know how that goes. I see, I perceive, because I'm familiar with this. I had this experience. And then to see can also mean to look to, to heed, to take warning, to beware, And Jesus himself is making this promise that they will see. And what they don't know is that he's going to make it possible. Praise be to God. I love the gospel story. And here in my notes, I just say proclaim the gospel. Let's talk about how good God is. That he who is all-loving, all-knowing, all-powerful creates a humanity, they fall into sin, he has to do the just thing, and he separates them from his holy presence. And yet he chooses a people, and he calls Abram, and he makes a promise, a covenant, and he says, I'm going to make you plentiful, and your descendants plentiful, and I'm going to send a Messiah, a deliverer, and God himself is going to make it possible 
when we fail, and you see that in Old Testament, fail and fail and fail again, and yet he says, I'm going to save you. And for God so loved the world that he sent his only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. And then he sends his Holy Spirit so that we're empowered to be witnesses, just like Jesus came. And he's starting to say, you're going to see. You're going out on the streets and you're doing prayer walking and you're saying, you're going to see. And actually see right now, God notices you, single mom. God notices you. He sees you. He heard your prayer today. He's proclaiming God's love. And hopefully as many people as hear the gospel message will respond because Jesus is coming again. Because why? He loves us. He loves his people. He calls us his bride. Together we're his bride. And he's coming for the wedding and the wedding feast and the eternal celebration of being face to face again. Seeing each other. God's given his life to cleanse us and give us new life. He's put a new heart in us, and that heart was stone, and now it's flesh. He sends his Holy Spirit to keep working and purifying that heart that had experienced all kinds of brokenness and all kinds of sin, and his works are in progress. Yes? Are you a work in progress? Yeah? We're works in progress. And Hebrews 10:14 says, For by one sacrifice he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. So he sees you as holy, and he's making you holy. All right? And so that's why we can, Kayleen, you've you've drawn us to say, come draw near to him. He's not going to um, push you away. Come, come. He's longing to forgive you. He's longing to embrace you. He's longing to be near And have you seen him? What did Jackie say last week? She said, um, God is love plus, or his love is over the top. Um, When we see God, what we're going to see is 100% love. 100% love. Steve, you're nodding your head. Yes, this is what we're going to see. 100% love. He loves us so much. And I think about the song lyrics that say, the more I seek you, the more I find you, and the more I find you, the more I love you. Because we're loving back because he first loved us. Jesus is speaking prophetically when he gives this promise that those with pure hearts will see God. There's an initial fulfillment, and then there's future fulfillments, all right? So the people on that day, they didn't know, but they're looking at God in the flesh, (laughs) And they're seeing him and hearing him proclaim his kingdom of love. And then now we can see and perceive and experience God as he reveals himself through creation. Last Sunday, I took a drive. Oh, my goodness, I put the worship music on. I wasn't worshiping the creation. I'm worshiping the creator of the beautiful fall leaves. I mean, it was just glorious. I was just worshiping the Lord for an hour and a half while I drove. It was so Beautiful. We can see and perceive God when um, last Sunday we heard all those testimonies from the people that went to the evangelism conference. Testimony after testimony that God so loves that he caused Victoria to change her schedule so that she could be a part of that conference on Saturday and take that team of men to that homeless shelter. And that girl who had been on the street since age, what would she say, 12? She had been on the street since age 12, 
and she wanted prayer. She heard that they were praying out there, and she wanted somebody to come, and a team comes and prays for her. I see God's love in that. Do you? Yeah. I mean, I I was crying before we even, if you remember, before I even started preaching, because it was just like, God loves the world so much, and he's just put this love in your all's hearts that we're going to go out and we're going to share this good news. Well, I saw God's love in his heart of love as I read my Bible this week, and in 1 John, particularly that God is love, and whoever lives in love lives in God, and God in them. The God of the universe loves us enough that he wants to live in us, and he lets us live in him. I just pray we get a, a fresh revelation of how much that means that he loves us. Danny loves you. Jesse loves you and the baby that's coming. Right? He loves you, Nancy. We're glad you're here this morning. God loves you. What we see as his kingdom is expressed through people someday is going to be seen with our very physical eyes because it says the dead in Christ are going to rise first and we're going to see the man on the horse whose name faithful and true is on his thigh come through the open skies and we're going to see him who is the king on the throne and every, every, all the way around, every elder all of us joining in with that worship. We are going to see this. Friends, we are going to see this. Let that be your motivation. When things are hard right now, let this be our strength. Let this be our reminder that things are going to get better. Not just better, amazing, beyond comprehension, amazing. And he says, blessed Oh, the deep, deep joy for the pure in heart, for they will see God. Just want to spend a couple of minutes kind of unpacking a couple of these words, because you know I just like words, and what do they mean? All right, so this word heart is leb, and it's the center of one's being. It includes the mind, the will, and the emotions. So the heart is the seat of your emotions, so fear, lament, regret, joy, comfort, Love, anger, all those things are in your heart. Your heart encompasses your thoughts and your will. Sometimes we talk about that as being more of your soul. But in this case, the definition is this is all part of your heart too. And we're supposed to guard our hearts because it's the wellspring of life. Because what is in there comes out. What we think and how we feel impacts our actions and our words. And so what the heart um, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks, Matthew twelve thirty four. You know that's true. You know that when something wonderful happens, you just gush because you are just so full of thanksgiving or so full of joy. And you also know that when something really difficult happens, there's pain. And depending on how much we are aware of God's love for us and our for, his forgiveness for us is how we'll respond when somebody hurts us deeply. All right? 
pure. I want to talk about purity a minute. And um, I've asked a couple of friends to come up and help me with something. And so Asher Sternberg and a parent or child from the family over here with Cody. Maybe not. She just ran out. Okay. Um, That's all right. Eden, you want to come up and hold the bag? No. All right, Marissa, you want to come hold the bag? All right. Well, good. I'm glad that um, you did, and I'm glad that you wanted to do this, too. So when I was thinking about pure, it made me think about this. um, Oh, now I have to find the app. There we go. This Yuka app. Do you all have the Yuka app on your phone? Well, it's... um, I'm wondering if you could hold this package, yeah, and you could hold this package. And I'm wondering, um, Asher, as you look at that package, what what do you notice about it? What color is it? What's it look like? It's orange, so that's kind of a bright color, yeah. Marissa, what color is yours? Tan. Tan. Tan and green. Okay. So one's a little brighter and perkier than the other, but it does have some nice little limes on there. Now, this app has a scanning device. Now, the UPC, that code right there, I need to scan that. Okay. And there it is, Cheetos. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm really not trying to embarrass Cheetos, but they turn out like a score of, can you see of that? What does that say? That number right there. Yeah, it's one out of a hundred. And what's the word under there? Bad. Bad. <laughs> All right, Cheetos, bad. And it says, oh, the negative things, it's got additives, calories, sodium, saturated fats. It does have a little fiber, so there you go. All right, now um, let's scan this one over here. Uh, there we go. All right, sea salt and lime by late July. Uh What's that say? 85 out of 100. All right. And it says excellent. If anybody needed good, like, chips that might be a little healthier, and what are the um, positives on that? Oh, so many. No additives. They're organic. There's fiber, protein. You can put it in there. And there's no sugar, low saturated fat, and has a low impact of sodium. All right. Thank you very much, helpers, for this. And can we give them a hand? Yeah. So when we think about purity, we think about um, things that maybe are either good in something or not good in something. And when Jesus says, um, blessed are the pure in heart, that word pure can have two meanings. It can mean clean, like morally clean, um, or, and, and that's in contrast to just being outwardly Clean, so like this bag was really kind of pretty. I don't, don't you think, especially for fall, it's fall colors. Um, it's really kind of pretty and kind of uh, attractive. Like, you know, it kind of gets your attention. And yet on the inside, it's not good for you. <laughs> um, and that's the way, like those that maybe look good on the outside, but what's really on the inside in Matthew 23, 25 to 6 says, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. Okay, so can look good on the outside, but unclean on the inside. 
Now, the second meaning, so the first meaning is clean, and the second meaning is unmixed. So pure gold doesn't have other metals or rubbish mixed in with it. Um, Whole foods don't have any additives mixed in with them. And so what that can represent is a single-minded focus, a heart that's free from any distractions or deceit. And so when we have the kingdom of God as our single focus, our hearts will be pure and will be surrendered to his will. Those two characteristics of clean and unmixed, they work together so that if you're morally clean, you're also going to have a passion for God's kingdom. And if you have a passion for God's kingdom, you're, not, you're, you're going to avoid sin. You're not going to be attracted to it. Now, if you have impure hearts, if they're mixed or contaminated, our hearts are less impure when we're actively sinning or living in hypocrisy or deceit. So if we're trying to put on a good show on Sunday, but on Monday through Saturday, it's a different life then that would be an unclean or an impure heart. And impure hearts can be double-minded, so it can make you feel really conflicted on the inside, like you've got a tug-of-war going on. So James 1.8 talks about being double-minded. You ask for wisdom, but then maybe you really didn't want his wisdom because actually you didn't want to go prayer walking. You wanted to go to the movies. Um, and there's nothing wrong with the movies, but if he's urging you to go prayer walking, then there is something wrong with going to the movies that day. All right? And so if that tug of war is going on, that is double-mindedness. Now, Pete Cesaro has a book called The Emotionally Healthy Leader. And in that book, he talks about having a shadow. And so he says, your, ice, your, your, ice, your life is like an iceberg, And um, so there's this part at the top that's above the water level that's visible to everybody, but then there's a much larger, more complex area that's beneath the surface that other people can't see. And he says that shadow is um, the part where, like, our inner world of emotions and our motives and thoughts are, and it strongly influences our behaviors. And so it's the damaged part. Um, but mostly hidden to others. Sometimes it gets revealed, your shadow pops out, because all of a sudden, you know, there's this um, outburst of anger or jealousy, resentment, lust, greed, or bitterness. Or it could reveal itself more subtly, like a need to rescue people and be liked by people, so a people pleaser, or um, a need to be noticed, or an inability to stop working, or a tendency towards isolation. All those outward things are influenced by your background, maybe your woundedness, um, maybe some weaknesses. And so we may try to protect ourselves instead of letting him be our defender. And so, again, it's what's beneath the surface of that iceberg of our lives rather than what's visible. And so how does the shadow reveal itself? I'm going to give you a few examples to try to make this understandable. So some people have gifts in speaking and mobilizing people, and that's really good. But the shadow side of that might be just an ongoing need for affirmation, like you just can't get enough affirmation. Another example, we value excellence, which is good. But the shadow side emerges 
when there's a pursuit of excellence that crosses into perfectionism. All right? And so perfectionism doesn't allow any grace for mistakes. And so our perfectionism becomes a way that we silence our own inner shame. So shame is in that lower part of the iceberg, and it can be recognized on the top. Sometimes it's expressed through perfectionism. I've spent a good portion of my life fighting that, and I like to say I'm a recovering perfectionist, the Lord helping me. Um, We all have stuff in that shadow, and it, it, it expresses itself in ways that aren't loving at times. And so it's not always sin, but it can be brokenness. We're zealous for God's truth and right doctrine. That's good, right? Everybody agree? That's good. Um, but the shadow emerges when our zeal prevents us from loving those who disagree with us. And it's driven by our own insecurities and fears about feeling competent and being right. Another example, we love to serve, which is good, but if you hide in the kitchen and you avoid relationships and conversation, that's really not very loving to other people, is it? Like you're doing something, but yet you're um, avoiding people through the service, which it could be so much better if you invited them to come in and help you in the kitchen, or you um, did it for a while and then asked somebody else to take over so you could go visit for a while. We saw that in potlucks and Actually, that reminds me we're going to have another potluck. We're going to probably hear about that in a minute. All right. A couple more examples. We take an assignment, a new work assignment in a different city, and that's good. That can be fine. But the shadow emerges when we pick a fight before we leave with a coworker because it just hurts us and we're feeling sad about the loss and we don't know how to handle that emotion, and so anger comes out instead of sadness. And then finally, we can give generous gifts, and that's good. Or we can be generously gifted and very visible in those gift use, which is good. But if it's being done with impure motives, wanting to impress or gain something, then that's the shadow side that's not good. The shadow, your shadow, my shadow, it's not hidden from God. He knows everything about us. He doesn't need one of these yucca things to scan our hearts like he already knows. And so um, when Samuel was looking to anoint the next king, David, uh, the Lord said this. He said that, um, in 1 Samuel 16, 7, the Lord does not look at the things people look at. So he doesn't look at just the top of the iceberg. Um, people look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And so he's looking at our heart, and every beatitude, we said, was an invitation into God's grace. God invites us, through Jesus, to seek his face. And as we do, he gives us the grace that's needed to cooperate if there's any purification of our hearts that he wants to do on any given day. He'll help us. So if that shadow is influencing us in our thoughts and our actions are less than 100% pure, Ask the Holy Spirit, search me, O God. See if there's any anxious ways in me. If there's any fear in me, if there's anything from my shadow that's bubbling up, Lord, search me. And then 
as any words or ideas come to mind, just remember you're in God's loving presence. He wants to forgive you. He wants to restore relationship because when we're living in sin or we're living far away from him, um, that is not his best for us. And he longs for that to be restored. And if you're having trouble with that, you can sign up for a prayer appointment. That's a good way to have that. Kayleen talked to us last week in testimony time about being at the evangelism conference, desiring to grow in evangelism and having fear at the same time. And you thought, that's not from the Lord. And so you asked some people to pray with you, and you said you just felt fear leave, and you you received a lot of um, freedom. And so we're excited about watching how that um, works out in your life. And so what to do after you've asked the Lord to search you, you've named and confessed anything that's there that needs to be confessed, then do what the psalmist did. Make a conscious choice to turn back and seek God's face. Don't sit there fixated on fixing your own heart. All right? And don't beat yourself up about this either. We want to put the emphasis on the right syllable. And he's calling us to look to him, to see him, to see his love for each of you. And so as we see his love, his 100% over-the-top plus love for us, our hearts are purified even further, and we live in the fullness of this blessing now, and we have even a more full realization of the blessing that's to come when Jesus returns. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will receive. They will see God. I'm going to say that one more time. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Lord, we don't take it for granted. We think it's an absolute miracle that you would love us so much. That you would not only restore us back into relationship with you, but that you would want to draw us near. That you'd want to see us and you would want us to see you. Lord, sanctify our imaginations and help us to imagine your smile at us this morning the warmth of your embrace, your love. Lord, help us to set our hearts to seek you. And Lord, I thank you that when we seek you, we will find you. When we seek you with all of our hearts. Come, Holy Spirit. Give us this passion for you and your kingdom even as you're passionate for us. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.